God really good all the time? Do you really believe that? Is he really good all the time? You know, sometimes our experiences, what we pass through in life, um, things that we expect that don't happen according to our expectations, can make us change our mind and think, well, maybe sometimes he's good, but it sure feels like sometimes he's cruel, even feels sometimes like he's mean or vindictive. And I've been there in my life as well, where I was believing God for something, and I really even thought that it was God who was leading me that way, and things just really didn't work out. I was so disappointed, so discouraged, that I came to think, believe. I believed a lie of the enemy, that God is not good all the time. In fact, he can't really be trusted. But I know he's real, so I can't turn my back on him, so I'm just going to keep him at a distance. I'm going to follow him, but at a distance. And do you know that period of my life, was one of the most frustrating times in my life. I didn't grow as a Christian because I wouldn't let God close enough. And one day, God was so merciful to me. He brought someone into my life who was able to speak into my life. And as the truth of the Word of God was spoken, the stronghold in my mind, the lie that I had believed that God is not good all the time, that I can't trust Him, suddenly it was broken. And it was like the light came in. And I realized all of a sudden, my goodness, I've been believing this? No way. And that day, God just transformed something in my heart. And once again, I was able to come close to my father. And from that time on, I don't even believe Open Church would be here today if it wasn't for God giving me a breakthrough in that area. So if you have believed a lie about God that he's not good all the time, that that's a stronghold that needs to be broken in your life during this season as we're studying the goodness of God because it's such a fundamental truth in our lives. If we do not believe this about God, it is so difficult for us to grow as a Christian because it's on the basis of who God is. It's the very nature of God and it's His goodness in our lives that we need to have a grasp and an understanding of for us to be able to flourish as Christians. So this is what we will be meditating and looking on over this season. I want us to look together, Psalms 100, verse 5. And I want you to read it out loud. No, Psalms 100 and verse... Yes, thank you very much. Here we go. I want you to read it out loud together with me. One, two, three. For the Lord is always good. He is always loving and kind. And his faithfulness goes on and on to each succeeding generation. Hallelujah. The Lord is always good. There you have it. The word of God declares it and we believe it. When you forget to focus on the goodness of God, it causes major stress in our lives. And this is one of the things that we're going to learn in this season. How to rest in God's goodness. There's a scripture in Psalms 34, verse 9. It says in the Message Bible, Worship God if you want the best. How many of you want the best in your life? I'm sure each and every one of you want the best in your life, especially Owen down there, double portion for him. Um, worship God if you want the best. Worship opens doors to all his goodness. Did you hear that? Worship 
opens doors to all his goodness. So if you want God's goodness to be displayed in your life, we need to come into a lifestyle of worship. And I, it's my prayer that during this season as well, you're going to love worship and you're going to dig deeper into the area of worship because we can't worship God effectively if our hearts are not right before him and if we don't come with sincere hearts that are yielded to him. And that is actually what opens the doors for his goodness. God wants to pour his goodness over your life, but many times because of our own own choices and decisions, we close those doors or we hinder God's goodness in our lives. Today, we're looking at Psalms 23 and verse 1. So this is the whole psalm, the Lord is my shepherd, but we're going to go on to the next one. You've got another slide later on that has got verse 1 that says, because God is good, because God is good, he will meet all my needs. This is from Psalms 23 and verse 1. The Lord is my shepherd. I will lack nothing. Because God is good, he will meet all my needs. God wants to give you a life of, I'm just going to show you briefly some of the things that we'll be looking at over the next series. God wants, over this series, God wants to give you a life of sustenance, balance, resilience, guidance, confidence, assurance, influence, abundance, benevolence, and inheritance. Doesn't that sound like a good life if you have all these things in your life? Yeah? Awesome. Well, today we're just looking at the sustenance one. The Lord is my shepherd. I will lack nothing. John chapter 10 and verse 10 to 11 says, the thief's purpose. John chapter 10, verse 10 to 11. The thief's purpose is to steal and kill and destroy. But my purpose is to give them a rich and satisfying life. Isn't that beautiful? That's what God has and desires for you. My purpose is to give you a rich and a satisfying life. I am the good shepherd. And the good shepherd sacrifices his life for the sheep. Over the last couple of weeks, we were looking at Easter time and especially upon the sacrifice of Jesus in our life. You know, this is what a shepherd does. He defends his sheep. And even David, when he was a shepherd looking after the sheep, he killed a bear and a lion with his bare hands. He put his life at risk to protect the defenseless sheep. That is what a shepherd does. That's what Jesus chooses and does for each one of us. Isaiah 49 verse 15 to 16 says, Never can a mother forget her child and not have love for her own son. Yet even if that should be, I will not forget you. See, I have tattooed you on the palm of my hand. This is what it says in, um, I think it's the Living Bible. See, I have tattooed you on the palm of my hand. Do you know when Jesus got those nails through his hands when he hung on that cross? He did that out of love for you. And even now, as he's in heaven, in all his glory, He's still got the scars to prove his love for you. If you ever doubt in your heart that he loves you, the scripture is for you. A mother 
Most mothers will never forget the child that they've born. Something's got to be extremely wrong with them if they would ever do that. I'm a mother myself, and you are so closely connected to your child. <laughs> so it's got to be a very traumatic thing if a mother turns her back on her child. But even if she does, God would never do that to you. Hallelujah. We're going to look at three fundamental truths about God's goodness. And the first one is that God is the source of everything that I need. Three fundamental truths about God's goodness. God is the source of everything I need to live. You need to put your security in something that will never be taken from you. People put their security in so many different things. A lot of people put their security in finance, or they put their security in their job, or their spouse, or their friends, or their possessions. But the problem with putting your security in these different things is that people can let you down. A thief can steal your possessions. You can lose your money. And so when you put your security in those kind of things, you have to live with anxiety and worry because what if I lose it? What if I lose my friend? What if my spouse leaves me? What if, what if, what if? And we live under worry and anxiety because God is not the source of everything that we have. So we need to understand today that we need to put our security in something that never changes, something that never runs out. God is that source. Now, Rick Warren shared a, an illustration in one of our um, Connect series that we were watching, and I thought it was a very applicable one here, because he talked about how when you turn on a tap and the water comes out, the tap is not the source of the water. It's just an avenue from where the water comes through. Actually, the source of water is something else. So if a tap gets turned off, it doesn't mean that there's no more source. It just means that we need to open another tap. Now, this is how God is. If you believe that God is your source, even if the tap of your job gets closed, you don't panic because you know your job is not your source. You know that God is your source and he has promised, I am your shepherd. You shall not want. If you believe that and you trust that in your heart, that he is your source, even if one avenue of, of provision is closed, God will open another one. If you believe and you trust him, we don't need to panic. God has many ways of supplying your need according to his riches. So Psalms 23 verse 1, the Lord is my shepherd. A shepherd's job is to take care of his sheep. That is what Jesus is there for. He is the good shepherd. He takes care of us. Sheep, have you sometimes wondered why God compares us to sheep? I think it's a very apt um, illustration because sheep are so defenseless. And there are so many predators, natural predators that are out to get them. Do you know a, a, a sheep doesn't have any claws like a lion or a cat to defend themselves? They don't have sharp teeth to bite if something comes. They're just defenseless. And they're not very intelligent either. 
<laughs> they're not. They actually need a shepherd, okay? Sometimes a sheep, or many times actually, a sheep can quite easily end up in getting himself in trouble and even killing himself without even having an enemy to come against him because he just doesn't think things through, okay? And you'll learn more about sheep over this series as we carry on. But isn't that so much like you and me? You know, how often do we know what is right to do, but we fail to do it? We make stupid decisions. We do silly things. And we know what's right, but we still do what's wrong. Guys, God didn't make you to live without a shepherd. You're his sheep. And he's declared, I am your shepherd. I'm here to care for you. A shepherd feeds, he leads, and he meets needs. This is what the good shepherd does in our life. This is what he wants to be for you. Don't think that God is expecting you to be independent and strong and do things on your own. No. God wants you to be dependent. He says, you're my sheep. You can't do this on your own. You need a shepherd to succeed in life. And I'm that good shepherd. We need to live in that kind of awareness that he is our source of everything that we need to live. A shepherd is somebody who feeds, leads, and meets needs. And if you're in any position of leadership, even at work as a manager or a parent, or in the case of myself as a pastor here, together with the leadership team that God has given us, we're here to feed, to lead, and to meet your needs under the supervision of the great good shepherd. Amen? So wherever you are, this is what you do as a shepherd. Do you know shepherd in the Greek is pastor? That's what a pastor does. He's a shepherd. Number two, there's nothing I need that God can't supply. There's nothing I need. We look so many different places because we just don't think to ask God. But do you know that there's nothing that you need that he can't supply? Philippians chapter 4 and verse 19. My God will supply all that you need from his glorious riches and his resources in Christ Jesus. God has got so many resources. He doesn't run out. He's got more than enough, and he's able to supply all that you need. You need. Some of us don't come to God because we think, well, I haven't been very good. I don't really deserve God's goodness. Isn't it just awesome that God's goodness is not dependent upon whether you're good or not? God lets the sunshine on the evil and the good and the rainfall on the evil and the good. He is a merciful God. He's a good God. Amen. And I have a question for you this morning. Are you growing in your trust in God as your shepherd? If you look at your life today... And then where you were a year ago, have you grown in trust or are you still at the same place? Are you still treading water or have you moved forward in your trust in God? If you haven't, it may be because you're not asking God for anything. Because how do you learn to trust God deeper? It's the same process that a child uses with its parent. And there's something called the famous circle of security. I don't know if you've heard about it, but if you haven't, I'll tell you about it this morning. The famous circle of security is something we use about children when you talk about how children learn to trust their parents. First of all, a child recognizes a need. 
Let's say, for example, little Carlos with his mama, Eva. Carlos recognizes that he's got a wet nappy. And what does he do after he recognizes his need? Number two, he expresses his need. And he goes, Wah! And what happens when he expresses his need? Number three, the parent meets the need. And number four, the child learns to trust. And that's the circle. The child recognizes their need. The child expresses their need. The parent meets the need. And the child learns to trust. And each one of us in our lives, we go through this cycle thousands of times. And that's how we learn to trust our parents or the people that have brought us up. We've learned that when I need something, I ask, I receive, and then we grow in trust. And this is the exact same way that God teaches us to grow in trust. You need to express your needs to God in order, order for you to grow. Sometimes we think that we can only tell God about the very important things in our life. And all the small things in our life, he doesn't really need to be bothered about. Well, actually, you know, God loves to meet your need in small ways. And we need to get so used to asking God, being aware of him everywhere. You know, when I go shopping for clothes, I take Jesus along with me. Because sometimes I've bought some really silly things and I'm like, I don't even know why I bought this. I don't even like it. So now when I go shopping, I'm like, Jesus, what do you think about this? He helps me with my shopping for clothes, I'm telling you. And God just loves to help you with all those little things because in every little thing like that, you realize that God meets my needs. God meets my needs. He cares about those little things in our life. Sure, he cares about the big things, big time. But he loves you so much that he cares about the small ones. I remember more than, eish, it's a long time ago in age when we were in Mozambique, maybe 20 years back, I was a new missionary in Mozambique, and it was a poor country. It was one of the poorest countries in the world back in that, that time. There was no shop rights. There was no Wi-Fi or Internet. We were just stuck in the middle of the bush working on a mission station. And one day, I just said to the Lord, oh, God, I would so love a chocolate bar. There was no chocolate in Mozambique that I knew of anywhere in our vicinity. So it was a crazy prayer to pray, but I asked anyway. That same morning, a, a missionary family were traveling from Zimbabwe through to Baira, and they stopped off at our mission station just to borrow our toilet quickly. And as they were leaving, the guy got out of his car and came to me and said, here's a chocolate bar for you. <laughs> All the way imported from Zimbabwe to me, just for God to know, for God to let me know, hey, I care about the small things too. So I just want to encourage you. There's nothing that is too small for God. And you need to get used to that cycle in your life. Recognize the need. Make your need known to God, allow him to meet your need, and your trust grows. When you stop doing that, you stop growing in your trust. Amen? Are you going to start asking God more? Good. God rarely gives us things immediately. I think this is one of the reasons why sometimes we just stop asking. Because when we ask, we don't get it immediately. We're like a child, and we're like, I want it now, now, now. Ethan says that sometimes, and I'm like... That's immature. That's childish. And God wants us to teach us to grow up. So he doesn't always give us things immediately because God is not a vending machine. You don't just put the money in and the thing pops out. God is not like that. If he did that for you, you'd be incredibly selfish. You'd never learn. 
to be patient and learn to grow. So God doesn't do that with us. But you need to understand the difference between delay and denial. Just because God doesn't give you now, 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 doesn't mean he's saying no. He might just say, not right now. There's a difference between no and not yet. Okay? I remember when I was at Bible school, I was just 18 or 19, and I was walking to, to, to school in the morning, and every day when I was walking to school, I was praying, and I was claiming a car in the name of Jesus. I need a vehicle, and I was praying, praying, praying. You know, those two years I was at Bible school, I never got a vehicle. But God supplied transport for me. With Often I was traveling with other people to get to work. I even had a bicycle at one time where I was cycling to school. So God provided for me, but he just said, nah, you're not ready for a car yet. But he's given me a car later on. And so in our lives, there's just times and seasons for things. Sometimes God knows what is best for us, and he has certain things he wants to teach us along the way. It develops maturity when we learn to wait on God patiently. Most of the problems that we have in life is because we want immediate gratification. But guys, that's immaturity, and we need to learn to ask and to wait and to trust. Luke chapter 11, verse 13 says, So if you sinful people know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? God is so willing. God is so willing to answer and give us when we ask him. Number three, God doesn't want me to worry about anything. We talked a lot about worry in the last ser series we did on transformation. I'm going to keep talking about it because this season that we're living in with COVID and all of these other things, there's so many people living with depression and anxiety and desperation. The level of suicides have gone up, rocketed in Europe, especially over this time. And we need to be reminded constantly that God doesn't want me worrying about anything. In Matthew chapter 6, and verse 30, it says, If God cares so wonderfully, even for the flowers that are here today and gone tomorrow, won't he more surely care for you? He cares so wonderfully for a flower that just stands there one day shining, and the next day it's gone. And yet if he can care for a flower, how much more you, his child, your bought by the blood of Jesus. You are so priceless to him. And how much more will he not surely care for you? You are valuable to him. And there is no need that he cannot meet when you trust him. But when we doubt his goodness in our lives, that starts a downward spiral in our life. And we cannot progress as a Christian if we allow ourselves to believe a lie that our God is not good. So Philippians chapter 4 and verse 6 in the Living Bible, it says, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything and tell God your needs. This is very obvious. God is making this very clear to you. He's commanding you not to worry. And he says, instead, pray about it and tell God what your needs are. So you have an option, guys. You can pray or you can panic. You can worship or you can worry. 
And you need to make a choice which one you're going to do. And I would suggest that you obey your Father in heaven. In fact, worry is a warning sign for you. When you start worrying or being anxious, it should be a warning sign, like a light beep, beep, beep going off, reminding you that you have stopped trusting in his goodness. Okay? God doesn't want you to live in worry. Right. Well, how are we going to trust God to meet our needs? Let's look a few practical ways of how to trust God to meet our needs. Number one, every day, ask him to be your shepherd every day. Learn this scripture off by heart. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Declare it over your life, every day of your life when you wake up. Thank you, God, that you are my shepherd, and I shall not want. You will meet my needs in this day. And you need to speak that over yourself every day. John chapter 10, verse 14 to 15. Okay, we've got the wrong scripture there, but it is the wrong reference, but... The right scripture. I am the good shepherd. I know my own sheep and they know me. Just as my father knows me and I know the father, so I sacrifice my life for the sheep. He is your good shepherd. He knows you by name. He knows your needs even before you have them. Even before you even know your own needs, God knows them. He knows them better than you do yourself. But he wants us to express them. Because if we don't express our, our needs, we don't grow in our trust. There's a scripture in Psalms chapter 28 and verse 9. It says, come save us and bless us. Be our shepherd and always carry us in your arms. This is a good prayer to pray over your life. God, bless me and save me. Be my shepherd today and always carry me in your arms. Take God with you wherever you go. And you can do this many times. When, as you're going into a meeting, Lord, I thank you that you're my shepherd and you give me everything that I need. Help me in this meeting, God. Or you're at work and there's not something you're not sure how to do. Or you're in school and you're doing an exam or you're studying and you don't know how to do it. God, thank you. You're my shepherd. Thank you for helping me and giving me what I need. We can take him with us everywhere we go every day. Number two, give him first place in every area of your life. This is another way in which we can um, trust God to meet our needs. We need to give him first place in every area of our life. Let's look at this scripture together. It says in Matthew chapter 6, give him first place in every area of your life. Sorry, that's not part of the scripture. The scripture starts there. So don't worry at all about having enough food and clothing. Why be like the heathen? For they take pride in all these things and are deeply concerned about them. But your heavenly Father already knows perfectly well that you need them. And he will give them to you if you give him first place in your life and live as he wants you to. Hallelujah. It's the heathen that are deeply concerned about their daily needs. But if you are a child of God, if you're a sheep in his 
pasture, and if he's your shepherd, you do not need to be deeply concerned because the scripture makes it clear here, God already knows perfectly well what you need, and he will give it to you if. Now, that little word if is an important little word because what do we need to do in order for us to access God's goodness in our lives? We need to give him first place in our life and live as he wants us to. Every time you worry, remember I told you it's a warning sign. You need to allow, every time you worry, some bell needs to go off in your head. Uh-oh, something's wrong. I'm putting my security in the wrong thing. God is my source. Get your focus back on God, your shepherd. As long as you love anything else more than God, it'll cause you stress and worry in your life. You know, some people, when they invite Jesus into their heart, they invite him in as their savior, and they're like, okay, you can have this part of my life, but not this and not this. I'll take care of my friendships. You don't need to get involved there. And God, don't get involved in my sex life, but you can have this area and this area and this area. And we keep some of it to ourselves. You just need to understand that if you don't make Jesus Lord of every area in your life, every one of those areas where you haven't made him Lord will be a source of insecurity, anxiety, and worry in your life. But when you hand it over to God and allow him to be Lord, you don't need to live with that worry anymore. One of the biggest worries in life is whether we have money. Do you know that the poorest of the poor, poor, poor people worry about money? But even the richest billionaires in the world, they also worry about money. So don't think that, well, the reason I'm worrying about money is because I don't have enough. Well, even if God dropped a million kwacha or a billion kwacha in your lap today, you would start worrying, how am I going to spend it right? And what must I do? And what if it finishes? You still worry. The problem is you're a chronic warrior and you need to repent of worry. God says, do not worry and do not put your trust or your faith in money. Put your trust in God as your source of all things. Number three, relax and give him your worries in prayer. Relax. Give him your worries in prayer. Maybe you need, if you are a chronic warrior and you really struggle with this, maybe you need to make a list of all the things that you worry about, the things that really make you lie awake at night when you can't sleep. The things that keep going around in your head, write them down on a piece of paper and submit that paper to God in prayer. Give all your worries and cares to God, for he cares about you. God wants you to give them all to him. So you mustn't repress or suppress your worries. A lot of people do that when they're worried. They just push it down. They push it down. But you mustn't repress or suppress your worry. You need to express it and confess it. Okay? Don't swallow your worry. Your stomach keeps score. All right? Some people, you have a lot of issues with stomach problems, digestive problems. A lot of it is connected, as we looked at in our previous series, 
connected to worry and anxiety. Philippians 4, 6, and 7, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God your needs and don't forget to thank Him for His answers. If you do this, you will experience God's peace, which is far more wonderful than the human mind can understand. His peace will keep your thoughts and your hearts quiet and at rest as you trust in Jesus. And the last point today, number four, we need to trust Him for one day at a time. Don't borrow trouble from tomorrow. How many times do we do this? God has called us to live one day at a time. But so much of the time, we live worrying about the future or the past. But God says, so don't worry about tomorrow. Because tomorrow will have its own worries. Each day has enough trouble on its own. Another way to say it is, you don't need to open your umbrella until it rains. Some of us live with the umbrella up all the time in case it's going to rain. That's a worrier, okay? You don't need to live like that. In fact, there are two days in the week that you should never worry about. Yesterday and tomorrow, okay? Don't ever worry about yesterday and tomorrow. Don't let your future or your past rob you of your present. If God has solved our biggest problem, which was salvation, we were sinners. We deserved to die. We had no future. We were, called, we were doomed to eternal damnation, and yet God solved our biggest problem. If God was able to do that, will he really be unable to be trusted for any of the other small things in our life? How can we not trust him if he's solved our biggest issue? Reminds me of a story about a guy who was standing on the road and he had a big, pack, heavy backpack on his back and he was trying to get a lift. And this guy stops, picks him up, and he gets into the car. But he's still got his backpack on. And after a while, they go down the road and the driver looks back and he says, Hey, why don't you just take the backpack off and put it on the seat beside you? And the guy says, No, I mean, you're doing enough. You're carrying me in the car. I'll carry my load. How silly is that? And yet that's what we do often. God has saved you, and he's your shepherd, your good shepherd, and yet you choose to carry your load, but he's carrying you. It's not a problem for God to carry your needs and your worries. Why do you want to carry them? That's a heavy backpack. Lay it down at his feet. Give your, entire, give your entire attention to what God is doing right now. Do you hear that? And don't get worked up about what may or may not happen tomorrow. God will help you deal with whatever hard things come up when the time comes. All right? If you're busy worrying about tomorrow's problems, you miss out on God's blessings for today. So you need to live in the now. Are we ready to live in the now? Hallelujah. You cannot solve tomorrow's problems with today's power. 
Now how the word of God says that his grace is sufficient for each day and his mercies are new every morning. He's not going to give you grace and mercy for tomorrow until tomorrow's there. But he's given you enough for today, okay? In the Lord's Prayer, he doesn't say, give us this week our daily bread. He says, give us this day. And this is the problem with many of us. We want to pray, give us this week our daily bread, because then we have supply for a whole week. But God hasn't promised to supply a whole week or a whole year ahead, but he's promised supplies today. And so don't worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow has its own problems. Live in the now. God will give you sufficient grace for each new day. Now, I'm not saying that we shouldn't be planning. Planning is good, okay? There's an entire book in the Bible, Proverbs, that talks all about planning and how good and important it is for us to plan. But the future can be overwhelming if we look at our whole life in one big chunk. And that's why God is so good. He's split it into 24-hour sections. And he says, I give you enough grace for this 24 hours. And tomorrow, another set of grace and mercy for that day. And if we can just live like that, with trust in God as our source every single day, with God as our shepherd, we won't need to worry. Is worry one of your chronic sins that you need to repent of? We need to realize that we can't change the past and we can't control the future without worrying. So we need to let it go. We need to let it go. Maybe you're worrying today because you haven't put your trust in God as your source of all good things. Or maybe you haven't made him Lord in your life, and because of that, you're trying to manage these areas of your life that you haven't given over to him, and that's what's causing anxiety in your life. <laughs>